Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hello, everybody. I see the little eyeballs popping on on Facebook Live here as people are joining us for a really, really good, juicy, amazing episode of We Gotta Talk. We are calling it, well, we're calling it two things, either Intimacy 101 or Sex Positivity. We haven't really landed on an official title, but our guest is amazing, and she's going to break open all of the secrets of what she does for a living when it comes to working on a ranch in Nevada. She is one of the highest paid legal sex workers in the United States. She is an intimacy coach and a sex educator, Alice Little. So we're going to bring her on shortly. And we did get some great questions from you guys on Instagram as well. So if you dropped any on the question prompt, either Monday or yesterday or even today, we're going to get to those kind of toward the end of the interview. So make sure you stick around for that if we haven't already covered it by then. Meantime, let's bring in producer Rachel to say hi, Rach. You know, this was the first show of this season that we booked. I was like, nope, yes. got to we, we got to get this girl. So I'm really excited about today. Oh, yeah, I am too. I can't wait to I hear all about it, her experiences. And I think we're going to be surprised that it's not what, you know, we have perceived that her life is like and what that experience is. We're such prudes in America when it comes to <laughs> sex and talking about sex and and we're we're shy about it, which is precisely the reason I wanted to bring her on and not only talk about what she does and how she got to where she is and worked past some of those um, outside issues and outside forces, because I think that kind of comes from outside of us usually, but also like the joy she finds in the work she does and why it's different than just, you know, what we think it might be. So I'm really excited. Yeah. I don't want to delay this too much, but since the whole theme this week is about sexuality and sensuality and sex positivity, what I first thought of when this topic came up was like, okay, well, when did I first discover all this? And it was through those cosmopolitan sex quizzes. YM and, and Cosmo. Yes. <laughs> YM. Remember? Young and modern. Oh my God. And I thought it would be fun to see what it looks like today and just like uh -huh. look at a few of the questions. So here's one of them. You strip down to your skivvies before a planned sex sesh. I don't think that's such magazine language, right? It's like today. <laughs> I don't think it said that when it was when we were looking at these. What are you wearing? A whole ass lingerie look, obviously, or a bra and undies that actually match. See, none of the above. I'm wearing exactly. nothing that matches. I usually just go straight to naked, Rachel, because I don't have any. That's not true. I have some cute sets. I do, right. but they like, who's got time for that? I do feel like they should have like a parent clause in here because when the kids are finally asleep and if this is happening, presumably at home, I got, it's just like a whole new production. So I'm usually just like, here's the robe, here's the skin, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> what are you? You know, you know you're a. I'm, I know I'm, you're a. I'm a mix. I'm a mix. I've, I've done a, the whole last lingerie look and then I've wasted my time matching bras and underwear that aren't even seen. And I have to say, excuse mm -hmm. me, can you please look at this matching thing? Oh, it's matching. I didn't even notice. I'm like, this is a, such a way. They waste. never notice. I mean, in hetero relationships, men just don't notice. I don't know. I'm going to ask Alice about this. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, listen, that's cute. Just like take it off. I'm like, all right, well, I just wasted $80 there, yeah. but we'll have to ask her because that's, um, 
I hear like, I feel like I hear more women on the non-matching side, but I could be in the minority. All right, let's do the next question. Okay, thoughts on, of course, today's language has to include consensual roughhousing in bed because we have to be very specific about that now. Um, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here for it. I mean, God, I'm like dreading people from my kid's school listening to this interview, by the way. <laughs> you know I'm what? here for yeah. it though, I can't lie. It's we all sometimes. have sex. People I have know. sex. It's I like it, it happens. Look back to what you were saying about our <sighs> prudish society um, as a whole. But you took the whole thing. I didn't know you were going to take the whole thing. But what was the result of Well, of I was trip? trying to do it so I could know. So I was pretty much split 50-50. Like yeah. if you're mostly A's, it's like you're super adventurous. And if you're mostly B's, it's like kind of chill. I was actually like, I, I think I was like, like, you know, what was it like 65, whatever the other thing is 35 or like 64, like it was pretty close. And I can't remember which direction, but I went back and counted. So, you know, depends on the day. I'm a mixed bag race. Depends on what happened right before. <laughs> you know what? I think that's a, a lot of people. And I, I, I'm, it's fun to have fun having sex. How about that? Yes. I'm just so, so want to destigmatize this whole thing. So, okay, Rach, we're going to bring, bring you back Alice. as always. She's yes. Oh my gosh. Alice Little is here. She is our guest. As we said at the beginning, she is currently working at the Chicken Ranch in Pahrump, Nevada. She's a sex educator and intimacy expert. Alice, thank you so much for being here. Ah, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So exciting. I saw you giggling when we were taking those results. Tell me, do men care about matching underwear in your line of work? Because I know that they don't work, at least not the ones that I know. It really depends on the person. Some people really want the whole look, the whole shebang, everything matching, just that iconic image of like sultry lingerie. And other people just not about that at all. It's all about the feeling and the warmth and the connection rather than a specific look. I that's you know what that really sort of gets us off into a good start um, topic wise, because I, of course, have been consuming all of the interviews you've done, whether it be in print or in podcast. And I follow you on Instagram. And what really shines through, Alice, in all of your interviews is how you bring back the work you do to intimacy, to education, into connection. What is the stereotype that you sort of shudder at the most when you tell people what you do? And how do you kind of combat that? Oh, gosh. The biggest stereotype is when folks automatically assume that there's like a danger element to what I do. Oh, are you safe? Are you okay? Did something terrible happen to you? Uh, no, I'm incredibly successful. I love my job and um, I'm perfectly safe. Thank you. It's such an unfortunate stereotype, and it's something that I try to combat through education. I let people know that, no, sex work is not inherently dangerous work, and men are not inherently violent and vicious. And to cast the guests that come and see me with this negative light is just, that's not accurate at all. It really goes back to the roots of, and I know you've spoken about this in some of your other interviews, American Puritanism and a real desire to dissociate ourselves, right, from the, mm. that part of ourselves, at least publicly. So some when, when stories come up that involve brothels or legal sex work, it's always in Law & Order SVU. And we see, you know, the sex worker in, in a horribly compromised position or as a victim of some brutal crime. So you're, what you're doing is just not, it's not Hollywood. That's not, that's not what it is. 
Yes, we are so much more than victim number three on the law and order list. And unfortunately, that's the only media, the only media representation that we really get. That, or we're presented with the hustler's image of, oh, these women are devious and cunning and all of these like negative, horrible stereotypes about, oh, they're out to play men and get them for their money. And that also doesn't land in reality. So instead, we have to refocus our media and find ways to more accurately portray intimacy and intimate professionals that isn't offensive and isn't a caricature. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's something you battle against every day. We mentioned in the intro as well that you at one time and the metrics I guess are a little different now. The current place where you work doesn't measure success this way, but you were the highest legal legal sex worker, highest paid legal sex worker in the United States. And we were talking before the show and you said, so there was a part of the website that sort of tracked the most popular ladies. And you were consistently not only at the top of that list, but like doubling and tripling what the clientele of your, I'm like, what is the secret sauce? Alice, what are you doing behind closed doors? You have to, this is magic. What's happening? And that's, that's the thing. It's not magic. It's actually quite simple. It's connection, communication, and intimacy. Every single relationship, whether it be intimate or familiar, breaks down to these three simple things. You need to have a connection with someone. You need to be able to communicate with them your thoughts and your feelings. And intimacy, you need to be able to have trust and build upon the relationship with somebody. And that's something that I'm able to do at a professional level. And it is so incredibly rewarding to get to connect with people from so many different diverse backgrounds from all over the world. It's just amazing. You know, I, I'm going to lead, I'm going to kind of put this question in there. It was actually a listener question or a viewer question that was submitted, but you said something about communication and connection and anyone who's been in a long-term relationship knows that the reason why we sometimes go off the rails as couples is because we stop talking to each other. We stop listening to each other. We stop being engaged yeah. to one another. So are you getting, especially with men that are coming to see you, like, my wife just doesn't listen to me anymore. And moreover, are they married? Because I will kill them, Alice, if they're married. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll tell you. So many people come looking to improve their communication skills. And one of the things that I've encountered, especially as we've kind of moved through this experience of spending more and more time together, is couples coming to me to specifically work on that communication aspect because people are realizing really it is important it is the depth and the breadth of the relationship that's at stake if you can't repair communication issues and so it's been really rewarding getting to help people navigate through problems they've had in the past kind of find pitfalls that they may have gotten themselves into and then navigate their way back into them because so, why not finish and then i'll follow up <laughs> Yeah, uh, the way I look at it is that relationships are designed to be everlasting, enduring. They shouldn't be built on fragility. And so one of the things that I love getting to share with couples is the power and the potential that's created whenever there is conflict in something in a relationship, because it gives you something to then work on together and thus increase the intimacy in your relationship.
I'm not asking you to give away advice for free, but if you could walk us through, what is the first thing you say to either if it's a couple coming to see you together or an individual that is currently coupled, whether it's in a long-term relationship or a marriage, like where do you start? If it's communication you're trying to get to, what does that first question or that first sort of conversation look like? Not as challenging as you would think. So it starts with acknowledging that there's a difference between I think versus I feel and differentiating what those two things mean and being really intentional and clear about how you use those statements is a really great place to get started. I think this relationship needs work. I feel unloved. You're not telling your partner that they don't love you or they're not listening to you. You're instead sharing your feelings, which then creates space for conversation instead of necessarily being combative. It's kind of a sidestep, if you will. It's not avoiding the issue. It's talking about it. Mm -hmm. So you're helping them communicate with each other better, whether you're working together with them or one-on-one. Indeed. And that happens both in person at the ranch as far as learning the intimate skills of connection. And then I also also am able to offer virtual sessions through like Skype and Zoom. And so I've been able to help people out even throughout the pandemic, which has been great. You're just like a super hot therapist that can like get a little crazy on Zoom. I mean, like you are a relation. It sounds to me like you're a relationship therapist in addition to a legal sex worker. So you're sort of like the whole package here. (laughs) In in some ways, I I hesitate to call myself a therapist because that's a very different professional. And I feel like sex workers are a unique sort of professional in our society. We have doctors for our physical health. We have mental health professionals, counselors, therapists for our mental health. And we have sex workers for our intimate needs. That shouldn't be so controversial. And yet, We're in a society where only one of the 50 states even has legal brothels. And that's deeply problematic. We've got to expand that far, far beyond just a single state. Do you realistically see that changing? And I'm not trying to get too political here. And and I know that, you know, this probably is a, a broader discussion. But do you think that'll ever change? I hope so. Right now, it's very one step forward, one step backwards. I'm sure many folks are familiar with the news around OnlyFans threatening to remove and deplatform sex workers and then recanting that and allowing them to remain. But the reality is that unless progress is made, we're never really going to overcome the issues we see in our society around sex and intimacy. And that includes embracing sex work as work. It's all part of the same package and parcel. I have to ask you right off the bat, do you love what you do? Do you like what you do? And how in the world did you end up doing what you're doing? I adore what I do. There is absolutely nothing else that I would rather be doing than this. I found my way to this career through sex education. I previously was the front desk receptionist at a dungeon in New York City, and I was also responsible for organizing the educational track. So I had the opportunity to attend some really incredible classes, gain some great knowledge, and eventually moved on to becoming an educator myself. One of my fellow educators shared her ranch experience with me, and it just sounded like the sort of thing I desperately wanted to be involved with. So I applied online, and after a few days, booked a ticket and was on my way out to Nevada. And that was, oh gosh, almost five, six years ago, and the rest has been history. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I mean... 
I'm sure you get this question a lot. Like, did you just, you had a normal upbringing. People are always wanting to make sex workers have this crazy traumatic upbringing where they were drawn to that life because of a previous experience. Can you speak to that a little bit and what your personal experience was? So my life was super traumatic. I grew up on a beautiful farm surrounded by horses and sheep and chickens. And I had to do <laughs> chores as a child. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God. I had to I had to pick up eggs from chickens. <gasps> the worst. No, I was, where did you I grow so up? Fortunate. So I was born in Ireland and then my family moved to the States when I was five. And so I kind of had this mixed upbringing of rural countryside and enjoying a little bit of farm life before heading over to the city and getting to experience the melting pot that New York is. Were you able to be open with your family about what you were doing? And and how's the relationship these days with people who, who know what you do? I was incredibly easy for me to be open. My upbringing was very, very sex positive. We talked about things like intimacy, like before it was popular in the news, I had already had ideas around consent and what that meant from the very, very early age. I was very lucky in that regard. As to uh, <laughs> as to how things improve from there, well, I think it's that everybody needs to have that same sort of education when it comes to consent and schools and part of a normal upbringing, I feel. Thankfully, we're seeing more and more of those conversations these days, which is quite nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful that, especially being a parent, that, you know, we're in an era where we're more honest um, anatomically uh, re- on, on stories and, and tales about reproduction are going to be like the stork. I hope that's in the history books from now on. I, there is an appropriate age, of course, to begin talking about this in a more scientific and you know detailed way. But yes, I'm with you and hoping that there's less stigma because our children are not served when we tell them tall tales about their bodies. So I'm with you on that for sure. It's I have true. to ask, I wanted to ask you this, Alice, is it hard to be in a relationship? And have you ever been in a long-term relationship since starting as a sex worker? Well, I've been in many different types of relationships, but my idea of what a relationship is, is probably a little bit different than most folks. As an intimacy provider, part of my job is building long-term relationships with my guests. And so in many ways, yeah, I've been in some very long-term relationships with some of my guests. As far as like my personal love life, my non-professional love life, I've mostly been single. Personally, I am poly. I do see more than one person at any given time, most of the time when I'm out and about and dating, but lately I've been single. So when you're in that world and you're on the inside, right? You're working with other, is it, first of all, let me ask this, is it all women at your ranch? Like, I don't know that- Oh, it's not. Okay, look at me. Let's talk about it. Who's at the chicken ranch, Alice? So one of my coworkers is a trans man by the name of Brayden, and he is the first trans man to be working within the legal brothels. So there's really incredible progress that's happening. Historically, men have worked at the legal brothels, but unfortunately, cis men had some challenges. Um, Rising to the occasion, let's say. They had some challenges rising to the occasion. But now we do have a male provider, which is really fantastic. And I'm really glad the Chicken Ranch has made that space. And hopefully we're going to see some more progress move forward in our industry. I mean, just like practically speaking, how many times can a guy have sex in one day? And I know this isn't you, so you can't really. I mean, like, don't they need like a break in between? This seems a little more difficult. (laughs) 
in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Having a cis male brothel would be very, very um, challenging, I can imagine. Oh my gosh. I wanted to ask you about this too. Um, like knowing that so much of your work involves um, deep dives conversations with your clients, understanding them emotionally, understanding them intellectually. Don't you get exhausted at the end of the day? Because sometimes it's not just the the physical act of it, but the connecting and the, everything else that sort of seems like it would be really energy draining. How do you protect your energy and how do you keep your uh, your focus and your sort of desire to continue on because it seems like that could be really exhausting. Yes, and I'm really glad you brought that up. So it's important to know what drains you and what feeds you, what fills your energy stores. Connecting with people is incredibly rewarding. That's something that I love doing that nurtures my soul, it nurtures my spirit. And at the same time, I acknowledge that there is a need for self-care. And so I'm very particular about my time and I very intentionally schedule time away, time for myself to go to the gym, go horseback riding, go for a hike, enjoy a vacation, whatever it so may be. And at the same time, I'm very well aware of how my energy is being invested. We only have so much energy each day. And so I pick and choose very carefully how I want to invest my energy. So rather than, say, getting into a fight on Twitter with somebody that said something nasty in my DMs, that's not energy I want to spend on that. I'm just going to block that person and instead give energy to the things that I do want to focus on, that I want to invite more of into my life, like good connections with people. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's walk through a, a typical day then. Say you are at the ranch, you are on the clock, so to speak. You are here to tell us, first of all, what, what time you're waking up? What does your morning ritual look like? How do you start to feel good about like getting in the mind space of working with clients? Like walk us through a typical day. Yes. So my day is going to be a little bit different from the other co-workers that I have at the ranch because I am available by appointment only. And so I generally have an idea of the day that I'm going to have. So I typically wake up pretty early in the morning. I love, love, love getting a good morning stretch in. Big fan of either yoga or Pilates or going for a nice brisk morning walk if the weather allows it. I think it's a really good way to just start by waking your body up, getting some blood and energy moving through your body. And then of course, I like to follow it up with a nice breakfast. I'm a big fan of breakfast at home. I have chickens. And so I make myself some eggs. And when I'm at the ranch, we actually have a chef. And so they set up breakfast for us, which is quite nice. So I'm able to just order what I would like and get started from there. And then I take a look at my daily planner. I see what all I have going on that day, who I'm spending time with, if there's any content that I'm creating that day. And then I kind of start to get ready. I'll start putting my makeup on. I'll double check my notes, kind of make sure that everything is all set. And then I like to go and put some finishing touches around the room, just make sure that everything is perfect where it needs to be, smelling nice and kick on a little bit of music, make sure it's not too hot because Vegas is in the desert after all. And then I will typically then spend some time with somebody, which of course is very varied depending on what we so happen to be doing. Well, let, yeah, let's walk through that. So your appointment only. So I think people have this vision in their heads. And like you mentioned, a distinction between some of your coworkers where there's that moment where the client walks in. Is it what we see in movies with your coworkers where like um, a, a potential client will just like go in and look at all the girls and just, is it really like that? And like, that just feels like that's a movie scene a little bit. 
it's a little different. So typically what happens is a guest connects with a lady or one of my coworkers through one of two ways. The first way will be through email or the second way is through a walk-in. Like you just described, they come in, they don't have a particular person picked out. And what will happen at that point is something called a lineup where everyone that is available is then brought out, stands in a line, says their name, and then the guest is able to walk up to the person of their choosing, shake them by the hand, and then go on a tour of the facility before heading back to that person's room where then they're able to discuss and negotiate from there. Um, more and more guests are choosing to connect these days through email because one of the beautiful things is that we have the opportunity to get to know each other a little bit before the time of our date. That And there's never a guarantee that the exact person you're going to be interested in will be available. And so more and more I'm seeing things kind of trend towards setting up appointments and planning. But as far as walking in and just seeing who happens to be there, totally an option through a lineup. That's great. So are they so nervous? I cannot imagine what is going through these guys' minds. Some are excited. Some are nervous. For some, it's like coming back to see a bunch of friends again because they've been through the space before. And it's always interesting seeing the difference between someone who's brand new to the space, who's not really sure, and somebody who's been there before. And you can just tell that they're a little bit more relaxed and comfortable. Mm -hmm. Do you get couples coming through? Often, yes. I love getting to spend time with couples. They're some of my favorite guests. That What is the number one request that couples come in with? Is Are they usually hetero couples? And what are they asking? Like, are they like, oh gosh, we, we, we just want some advice. Like, what are they asking for? So not always, but indeed, most frequently, typically I will see a hetero couples looking to have their first some experience. And the reason why this is so requested is because people have the desire for a threesome, but there's this lingering fear of, oh no, what if she tries to steal my husband? Ladies, I don't want your husband. Please take him home with you. This is not daycare. <laughs> he cannot stay here. You need to take him with you when you leave. You can't, you can't leave him. I don't want to keep him. He's a wonderful man. Take him at with the you. chicken ranch. I'm, yeah, yeah. We don't want any more guys here, okay? <laughs> I am not here to steal anybody's husband. Like, and knowing that there's that professional aspect of it, that this is safe, that there is testing, that all of this is professional oftentimes is incredibly comforting. And so it's a safe way to get to have that first experience of opening up the relationship and trying something new. Another very common one that I will get from couples is that they've changed. Their bodies have changed. They may not be as flexible as they once were. Somebody may have become disabled over time and learning new ways of intimacy and sex, different ways of having sex. And that's also incredibly rewarding to get to share with folks. Yeah, I can imagine. What, what are the ranch rules in general, by the way? If someone is coming in, I would imagine you have the ability to make sure that if there's someone who's acting inappropriately, that they're out. I mean, is security everywhere? What are the rules? So the beautiful thing about the ranch is that everything is discussed in advance. And this is something that I think a lot of relationships would benefit from. We talk about the activities, we talk about what we want to experience, as well as the things that are off the table, any hard limits, boundaries, areas where somebody might not want to be touched. Every single room has a panic button that goes directly to the police station. So, I mean, if you hit that button, the cops will come. That is that is what happens. Like 
there is no negotiation around safety. It is absolutely mandatory. Condoms are required for any and all activities. We use protection and barriers for anything. There's no sort of fluid exchange. You know, of course, you're not coming into this space to get terribly drunk and belligerent and no, you will you will be escorted out if you behave in that right. fashion. Have but you ever had a bad experience is, like that or no? no? No. The reality is that's so rare and uncommon because most people aren't coming to the space for that. If you're, if you're looking to have like a crazy wild time with your friends, go to a strip club. That is the environment for that. If you're looking for intimate connection and like incredible sex, now you've come to the right place. Oh, good distinction there. And where you are, it's not too far away to get to Vegas. So yay, win-win. The best of both worlds. Yeah. Let's talk about sex versus intimacy. Like I mentioned at the top of the show here, you have dedicated, it's it's easy to talk about the sexy side of your your job, which is what we just dug into. But the, the bulk of what you do is like you said about communication and helping people distinguish between sex and intimacy and the individual values of each of those things and the individual benefits. So can you run us through the distinction and you know what we need to be paying attention to with each of those? Yes. So the easiest way to think of it, sex is an act. It's a sex act. It's something that you are doing. It's an action. Intimacy is a state of being. It's your way of describing your connection and relationship with someone. How intimate are you with that person? Is it a trusting intimate relationship? It is, a, is it a sexually intimate relationship? And intimacy is something that can be defined in a number of different ways. But it really starts by differentiating that the sex that you are having is not the same as the intimacy in your relationship. You can be having great sex and have terrible intimacy. You can have incredible intimacy and have terrible sex both of those things are different. And how do you encourage someone who is in an imbalance, right? So one is much better than or worse than the other. Is it like so rare to have those both match up at the same time? I would imagine it it, it takes work like anything good, right? Yes. All good relationships require effort and energy investment from both participants. And it can't be just one person contributing all of the effort and energy. Both people have to show up at the table ready to have that conversation and invest the energy and time that it takes to build intimacy. Intimacy isn't automatic. Intimacy takes time to build. And in fact, if somebody's trying to jump right into a really deeply intimate relationship and share their entire life with you on date number one, that's actually a huge red flag because, oh no, now they're trying to be too intimate and maybe they have poor boundary management as a result. And so it's knowing how to communicate, when to communicate, how to build that intimacy over time and feeding that intimacy too. It's like a plant. If you don't water it and feed it, it's going to wither. It requires work and nurturing and care. It's a living, breathing thing. Every single day impacts it slightly. Do you have clients that you meet with either virtually in person that just really want to have a good conversation that want to have, and you use this term on your Instagram recently as well, intellectual intimacy, how common or what portion of your clients are there for just that type of connection? Quite a number. I have some guests that I do not have any sex with at all whatsoever. And we have incredible, incredible intimacy. I love getting to connect with somebody on different levels. There's mental connection, spiritual connection, physical connection. And it's really wonderful getting to relate to somebody in all of those different ways. 
when it comes to intellectual connection and intellectual intimacy, getting to share your like deep private thoughts and kind of reconcile some of your beliefs is a really powerful thing to share with someone. Yeah, I do feel like all of the best relationships in my life, whether they're friendships or they were or are romantic relationships, always started off with great conversations, great connection, mm -hmm. similar stories or not even similar stories, but similar points of connection. So I, I love hearing that that's part of it, too. Um, what's been one of the more rewarding things that you've experienced in all of your time working? Well, I've got to get really specific on this one. Hands down, the most rewarding thing I have ever done is I got to save somebody's life once. There was what? a, oh yeah, I, I had seen a guest. He was a wheelchair bound veteran. He had lost his lower limbs in the incident, unfortunately, overseas. His fiance left him as a result of his recovery process and PTSD. So he was not doing so great when we first met. And we had our connection. We had this great time together. And just as we're getting ready to part ways, he puts a letter in my hand and says, hey, open this after the door closes. And he had handed me a suicide note because he was planning on killing himself. And he changed his mind and was like, hmm, I don't need this anymore. I feel better now. Oh, my gosh. That is wild. Crazy. Have you heard from him since? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. He's actually... He's actually getting married next month. I'm so happy for him. Like he met the most incredible, accepting, warm hearted human. Like, and he is just such a compassionate soul. I'm so happy for them. Oh, that, and she's like, he's really good in bed too. It's the craziest thing. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the tips oh, yeah. and tricks from Alice. Oh my God. That <laughs> is insane. Have you had a weird or bad experience? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how specific you can get about clients, but like, has anything ever been like, oh God, that was awful? Uh, the worst thing to ever happen is um, I had a tarantula sneak into my room once. It apparently oh had God. gotten underneath my bed and um, yeah, okay. that was terrible. That's bad. Okay, so no that bad client stories. I don't like spiders, but as far as, like, as far as like sex acts go, I, I suppose I don't really see anything as being weird because all intimacy, so long as it's consensual, it's perfectly valid. Everybody has fetishes. Everybody has fantasies. Everybody's into something that would be seen as weird, whether it be a medical fetish or you have some weird fantasy about aliens. Like everybody's got something that they perceive as being weird. It's not. It's normal. It's really not weird. It only seems weird because you don't talk about it. But okay, the reality. Yeah, but isn't some stuff objectively kind of weird? I mean, I'm not. I don't know. You can't technically say, but like, if it's like overly aggressive, or if it's oh, like, don't you sometimes like in your just be honest, like in your deepest, deepest sort of heart of hearts, think, oh my god, this person is really messed up. Like, what he wants me to do? Like, you've never had that moment. Um, not really. So like. I'll get a request. And if it's something that I'm just not into, like, here's a, here's a really good example. There's a, a fetish called sploshing where it's like smearing food and then somebody licks it off of the other person. I'm just really not into that. And like, I also don't like cold things on my body. Like ice cream on my chest just sounds terrible. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to experience that. That is not for me. But it's not weird. Like, okay, that's cool. A human Sunday. Uh, yeah, I know somebody who will do that. And that's not me. 
but like what ter- what other terms are like give us like the dirt here alice like what are what are people asking for that's like just kind of out there that may just say to to a regular person not in that industry that we might be like oh that's a thing like i never heard of splashing before what else is out there yeah. give us the goods so this one's kind of common some people may already be familiar with this pegging is incredibly popular and one of the most requested activities and oh i like gosh. to mention that because people are always like oh my god that must be so uncommon no 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 so many people are interested in butt stuff it's not even funny so many people so many so, so many, many people, people. pegging so many. is having a moment tell everybody what pegging is for people to know what that is so pegging is the act of wearing an artificial strap on made out of whatever material and then penetrating the other person typically anally using that uh that apparatus so it's like a whole little strap-on situation my first thought when you said that is what other materials can strap-ons be made of aren't don't they have to be just like you said or any other material i'm thinking like there's like what else can they be made of they can be made out of silicone i've seen wooden insertables i've seen metal well are those polished those have to be polished down to a shine incredibly And I, I do need to like drop a little PSA here, a little, little health note. Please don't put rocks inside of your body. No <sighs> young stones. No, we don't penetrate people with rocks and minerals. We don't, we don't do that. That is not, that is not the material. Oh my we gosh, use for the young Yeah. But that was like all over, like not even like sexual stuff. People were using that for pelvic floor health, the yoni eggs and things like that. So that's a no-go in your book. (laughs) Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Also, don't put sea sponges up there. Don't, 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 please don't. Like that's a, a, that's a terrible thing to do to your poor body. Like, yeah, uh, don't, don't get medical advice from Gwyneth Paltrow or Goop. Please talk to your gynecologist. That is not a doctor. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. She, she does influence a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's uh, crazy how that story just blew up. Steam, and the steaming, that's the other one that people are doing is that they're steaming themselves now with Yoni steams. And I promise you, you don't need to do like a Yoni tea steam. Like that's your body is self-cleaning. That is entirely unnecessary. And they're just trying to take your money. That's, that's okay. From you, Alice, like I'm taking that as gospel because you know your parts better than most people probably do, that being your job. So on the record, Yoni steaming, not a good thing. We're going to go with that as the final word on that. Yeah, just just pass on most <laughs> of that stuff. Like if it, if it sounds exotic in that sort of way, like, oh, it's going to rejuvenate my insides and make me tight. Those are the bad kinds of things. Like you want to be talking about things like pegging and splashing, or here's another one that can be really fun. uh, BDSM, domination, kink, foot fetish. Those are the, those are the kinds of things that will like genuinely get you somewhere and give you differences in your love life. Not not a magic crystal egg you put inside yourself. That's not the <laughs> Okay. Duly noted. Um, okay. Here are some listener questions and you're going to know right off the bat that this one is from a guy and it's very simple. He asks, does size matter? Alice. I love that question. I love that question. It is one of my favorite questions. The reality is that size really doesn't matter. It doesn't. It does not matter because there is so much more to sex than just 
PIV style man inserting into woman. Like there is so much more than just that. And frankly speaking, when it comes to size, you're actually at risk of being too big more than you are being too small because you'll actually hurt your partner if you're too large. I mean, there is a real limit to the size of, you know, <laughs> the body. So like thinking that you need this monstrously huge, large nonsense that we've seen in porn. No, doesn't actually feel all that good. Not actually what women want. No, yeah, I feel like I can, yeah, like no one really needs to be, you know, it doesn't need to be like laying down the hammer. Here is the question though. You brought up porn and I want to know if that industry and what people see and consume before coming to visit you impacts what you do. And if you have to kind of unwind some of that porn narrative that um, just permeates culture these days. Mm. I, I do want to take a second here to acknowledge like porn is totally sex work. It is valid work, but I'm also not a porn performer personally. So I'm not super familiar with the ins and outs from the talent perspective. But what I can share is how I see people use and consume porn and porn has its time and porn has its place. And like many things, you can watch too much porn. You can binge watch porn. And it's very apparent to me when I see somebody that's finished watched porn because they immediately go for um, certain positions that are very common in porn, certain like um, hand like motions. Okay. Give, give like, us specifics here. I'm not familiar. For example, in porn, there's this weird gesture that they do where the gentleman puts his hand on the woman and then he like violently does this back and forth over on her, her face. Clip. No, no, oh. no. Over her <laughs> like, down sit. And oh, it's, yeah. uh, okay, okay. Oh, <laughs> Rachel's oh and it's like, oh, no, please don't do that. Please, this is not, this is not wax on, wax off. Stop it. That's not what you do with your, oh, boy. Okay. So let's talk about what feels good to a body because that's not that's it. not it. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. I feel helplessly old and out of touch. What else? And, and we don't have to stay on this too long, but what else are you seeing people doing that they probably got in a bad porn? So this isn't so much as what they're doing to me so much as what they have already done to themselves. And that's a porn induced erectile disorder, P-I-E-D. And so they're having trouble maintaining an erection because they've overconsumed porn to the amount that they need to have that super intense sexual visual input in order to then be stimulated. And as a result of consuming this, they've been harder and harder and more aggressive with themselves. And so oftentimes they'll also have something called death grip syndrome where they're like strangling the life out of themselves as they're going about their self-pleasure technique and actually causing serious nerve damage to the point where they are then not able to finish with a partner. And oftentimes both of those things present together hand in hand. That's awful actually. And I'm all for you people consuming whatever visually helps them get where they need to get. But that to me is where I put on my old lady hat and I'm like, is porn ruining us all? I mean, it's a matter of consumption, just like with sugar mm -hmm. or unhealthy things we eat. I know that it comes down to that, but it's, it's kind of sad to me that that's a, that's a reality and, and yeah. that's happening.
Yes, but it's nice to see, with that said, that there's some really interesting new porn trends that are emerging. Romance porn is a very new genre that's starting to come out, which is like a little bit more authentic, soft, really beautifully shot pornography. Like, I personally don't watch a lot of porn beyond the clips that my friends send me. They're like, hey, look at me, I did the thing. And I'm like, hey. That's really weird. Cool. Conver- like that, conversations there you go. That's weird. Friends. Seeing your friends' <laughs> porn is a little weird. That's a little weird for me. Okay. Yeah, that that that's the only weird thing we've talked about the whole time. Yeah, I can understand how that would classify as strange. I'm like, that's awesome. I know that's not the face you really make in real life. Wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Um, okay, another question from a an Instagram. Uh, friend, do you secretly think that some of your clients are jerks? No, because I don't see people who are jerks. They wouldn't be my client if they were a jerk. Do I think some people are jerks? Absolutely. And then I decline to see them as a guest because everything is done with consent. And people don't realize this, but oftentimes sex workers are a little bit picky about their clientele. We do want to get to know who it is we're spending time with. And part of that is pre-screening for people who are, well, being jerks. Do you do background checks since you have the ability to book out now and get to know your potential clients a little better? Is that part of the process? It isn't because it is perfectly legal and we do have all the protections and everything in place. There's really not this like overwhelming concern of somebody coming there to do harm. If somebody was trying to do harm, they would be trying to unfortunately solicit a street-based sex worker. And I'm always very careful here because sometimes they can start to feel like I'm contributing to the hierarchy where there's this conceptualization that some forms of, of sex work are better than others. They're not all sex work is sex work, all work is, it's, it's all work. So I don't like to think it as being hierarchical, more so there's more risk based for uh, street-based sex workers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think has been sort of statistically backed up as well in in, in, in certain studies or research that's come out. Mm-hmm. The next question is, do you ever have any guilt? This is kind of a broad question, but I'm just asking as it was submitted. Um, no. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't necessarily think that guilt serves us. Feeling guilty about something that we are doing doesn't, it it doesn't benefit anybody. Like, and there's nothing to feel guilty about. This is nothing problematic. Like it's a job like any other job. So it's like, do I feel guilt? No. No. Yeah. Fair answer. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 the follow-up question was, how do you feel about married clientele? So I'm guessing that maybe there was a tie in there, but I feel like we covered that already because you said that, well, some clients are couples, but if you're in a situation where you know that someone visiting you is otherwise paired up, I guess maybe the guilt was in reference to that question. Maybe we take it that way. Yeah. And, you know, let, let me speak to that point a little bit. And I'll say that, again, when we're separating sex and intimacy here, there's a real biological need that is hard encoded in our DNA to have sex. We eat, sleep, breathe, reproduce. 
have sex. That is that is something that we are hardwired to do. We've been doing it since the dawn of time, since Adam and Eve first met, like people have sex. When somebody's sexual needs aren't getting met in a relationship, either through choice or through illness or through situation, they may choose to get that need met elsewhere. And you know what happens when they get that need met elsewhere? They go back to their relationship and all that pressure is off. Mm-hmm. All that like building lingering tension of like, oh my gosh, I have to get this need met. That's, that's off now. And instead the intimacy gets to be showcased in the relationship. And for right. a lot of folks that ends up working out quite nicely, especially in situations where say she doesn't want to have sex. She can't have sex. Like I have a couple of guests where their wife has had like a super painful hysterectomy. And so now penetration is really painful and uncomfortable. There's all sorts of different situations that may leave somebody in a position where they're married and still choosing to see a sex worker. So I don't try to cast judgment and I certainly don't feel guilt around it. And like you said, you're not trying to keep those men either. You're, so no Indeed. one's stealing your man. No one. <laughs> that was my, no. That's my favorite line of the interview. We're not trying to keep your man, okay? <laughs> He's no, going back like, home. It's like when you drop your child off at daycare. Like they're going to give your child back to you. They don't want to keep your screaming toddler. Right. Like they'll take care of them while they're there. But like, you know, I'm not trying to keep your man. That's right. That's true. Best comparison of men to a toddler. I know that was inadvertent, but I'm running with it. I love it, Alice. <laughs> They're very primal creatures, both of them. You know, I know that we are in an era where gender is becoming fluid, but biologically, men can be like toddlers sometimes. And I feel like I can say that being a married woman. That's hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't mean to do it as a disrespectful comparison. But like, no, I, thought I think it was every woman at home right now is like nodding her head, like, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know, I know. And the sooner we recognize and accept that both toddlers and men come with a certain set of biological needs and and biological tendencies, then the happier we are. So, you know, I'm all for a stereotype when it works. It fits, okay? (laughs) It just fits sometimes. Um, Alice, you are a pleasure. You are just so incredible. The, The work that you do, I feel like you have opened up a lot of people's minds today. And so... I just want to say thank you for spending time with me talking. Yes, and thank you so much for having me, for allowing me to share my thoughts with you all. It's been great. You're awesome. Tell us where we can find you both on Instagram and your social channels. So you can find me on Instagram at the Alice Little Official, or you can always visit my website, thealicelittle.com, which will take you to all of my locations across the web. I'm on Twitter, YouTube, all over the place. Awesome. Alice, thank you so much. I'm giving you a big virtual hug from far away. Be well, take care of yourself, and um, hopefully we'll chat again at some point. Indeed. Bye. Let's pop on producer Rachel. Oh my God, I love her. She's awesome. Oh, you're muted, boo. Turn on your mic. Sorry, I I forgot. (laughs) I, um, that conversation was so informative and fun and it didn't feel awkward or uncomfortable. And I think it's just a testament to when we talk about sex and Mm -hmm. intimacy in, in a place of wanting to understand anything can, can happen in your relationship. Right. And removing, like Alice was saying, that sense of guilt or that sense of, um, you know, nerves even to take the first step to educating yourself. You know, I really did when we were booking this, I questioned, okay, you know, 
Do you want to dive into this? The whole ethos of the show, as you know, is really talking through the hard stuff, right? The, the gray spaces of things, the crazy things and the uncomfortable things. But I do feel like it was, we needed to do it for that reason specifically, which is mm -hmm. to just sort of flip the script a little bit on a group of people that are doing so much more than what Hollywood has portrayed them to be doing. I mean, it's just, I just, I, I just love talking to her. That I, I do think that you know, we've seen in other countries where sex work is legal all over mm -hmm. the sort of more positive experiences and ability to talk about sex and not make it this whole big um, thing. And like Alice said, separating like sex is the act and intimacy is the is the other part of it, the feelings, the connections. I'm not quoting her quite accurately, but being able to recognize the differences. And sometimes, like she said, there's one is more, one is the other. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to talk about those, those two things. I, I think what she does is incredible. And that's, that's a, somebody who's helping people in ways that we might not have ever perceived. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Crazy, crazy stories. But, you know, I mean, like we always discuss on this show, there's always so much more to a person than mm -hmm. who they appear to be on social media or what their job is, or even, you know, an initial conversation and um, just getting the opportunity to talk with someone who lives such a different life. But I mean, at the end of the day, like it's just, we're all so similar, right? It's just like what we choose to do with how we choose to show up in the world and what we decide to keep private versus put out there. And I joke all the time about like, you know, having to go out into the world in this space, right. As a mom and like, you know, a PTA person and whatever. And then I'm like, you know, having these conversations, I think to myself, Oh God, the people that are, that are, you know, might look down on something that I do or something that Alice does or something that someone else does that they don't understand. They're so at their core similar to me and her and everyone else. I mean, yeah. there's so much more points of similarity and connection, I think, than there are points of difference. And so um, I'm just grateful that she took time to sort of break down those those barriers for that. And, and for the people who give you a side eye, Sunny, at school pickup, what I say to that is like, that's their own unresolved issues that they are probably feeling very like not to overuse the word triggered, but they're feeling very like exposed or uncomfortable about something about themselves. And like, you're actually doing them a, a benefit by hopefully bringing them awareness around the things that they need so, like to work through or to help grow and to feel better about. So you go to school pick up with pride and you yell out that <laughs> car window and say, I had the best interview today with a legal sex worker. Go listen to it at We Gotta Talk. I'll scream. Did you know there are wooden dildos? Because I didn't. I didn't know that. I mean, wow. Mind just blown. Love I mean, we got to get you, we got to wrap your van, Sonny, and like put one of those ticker <laughs> tapes on the side that say like today's theme on We Gotta Talk, legal sex work, and just like really let, let your freak flag fly. It's awesome. No, no, the, they're just, I'm just grateful that she like just let us peer into that world for a second. And Same. so, so, so very, very 
cool. So um, we will link in show notes, guys, all of her social channels, all my social channels. Rachel, producer Rachel, thank you so much. Um, If you stuck with us to the end of this episode, thank you. Hugs, virtual hugs, wherever you are. We have so much good stuff coming up through season two of We Gotta Talk. So make sure you come back if you're watching live on Facebook right now. Always remember you can drop comments in live um, on YouTube as well. They'll populate here and we can continue to ask guests in real time all the questions you want to know. So don't forget that. If you're listening on the podcast side of things, please take a minute to rate and review. That actually makes a huge, huge difference in getting this show out to people who might find it useful or interesting. So um, definitely do that when you have a few minutes. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching this episode of We Gotta Talk. We will see you next week with more goodness. Bye.